All right, tonight we are doing a inter- another interview here for the Rad Dads podcast. We're interviewing uh, my friend and, and colleague, uh, Patrick Kinkin. And I've known Pat for a long time. I mean, now I think 16 years, seven, 16, 15. Yeah, 16, years. 17 years. Yeah, since Medtronic. Yeah, we work together in Netherlands. Um, he liked to yell at us as I was doing order, sales order <laughs> version. I uh, was on the cutover team with a couple of other friends. Unfortunately, this is uh, this is not a humorous topic. I mean, you know, when I heard that this happened to Pat, I was personally, you know, upset and devastated and, you know, reached out and I know other friends reached out, but um, Pat had experienced something that most parents never, never want to experience. He lost his son and as hard as it, it is for me to even talk about it and introduce Pat, I, I couldn't imagine what he's gone through, but I will turn it over to him and let him give a background of what happened to his son, how it all started. And, you know, just, just kind of explain how, how they went through him and his wife went through the, the loss of their son and, and how they've kind of progressed since then. Yeah. Thanks Rob. So, I mean, this, this all happened, what it was 20, late 20 years, early 2016. Right. So we're coming up on um, kind of the, the five year mark here in January. So it all started kind of right after Christmas, you know, early, it was early January. It, it was actually interesting. My, my dog passed away right one day, Logan, who was, who's my son. Um, he, he's really close to the dog. And the, the next day his, his right eye turned inward, right? It looked like a lazy eye. So we said, okay, you know, hey, the lazy eyes kind of run in my family. There's been some stress. Let's get it checked out. We very quickly realized this wasn't a, a normal thing. Um, I remember the pediatric um, ophthalmologist, right, said, mm, everything seems fine with his vision. You guys need, need to go for a, an MRI. So um, I'm down in North Carolina. So we headed up over to uh, UNC in Chapel Hill, which, you know, is a great hospital, um, great people over there. Um, they did the MRI and I figured, okay, they're not going to find anything like super bad. Right. I mean, it's, it's an MRI, like, you know, maybe they'll find, you know, something's wrong with his eye vision issues, need some surgery, something like that. So, um, I was at home actually working. I remember this very, very clearly. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, you never, you never will forget. Um, I'm sitting there, you know, working on a two plus or sorry, a, a you know, eight plus four financial, not even eight plus four was a two plus 10 actually at that time, two plus 10 financial forecast, right? We were getting started early with the February actuals, even though February didn't happen yet. Uh, and my wife called me from the hospital and um, she said, we need to talk. And I said, okay, you know, what, what's up? And she said, well, the doctor's going to come in. And you know, you know, right there, like that's not a good situation whatsoever. So the doctor got on, on the phone and he said, you know, listen, there's a tumor, right? It's on, you know, the um, brainstem, right? And as soon as I heard that, right, I mean, if you, if you, if you know anything about the brain, right, the brainstem is what kind of controls all your not conscious functions, right? So your respiration, your heart rate, all of the, the stuff that you don't ever have to think about. So I knew right then, like, that's, that's not good. And this isn't good, a good outcome. So, um, what he ended up having was what's um, called diffuse uh, intrinsic pontinglioma, uh, or DIPG. And it's basically the tumor it isn't actually like a hard tumor. It's like a spider web, right, in between it. So there's really no treatments. It's a, basically 100% fatality rate. 
about 300 kids in the U.S. a year get it. Um, no, really no treatment. There's some clinical stuff um, that, that happens. So, um, so that was devastating, right? So, I mean, at that point, it's, you know, the, the, the world's kind of spinning, right? You don't know what to do. Uh, I remember I called, you know, my parents. I said, I need you guys to come down, right? Um, I have, you know, two daughters. Um, they're perfectly healthy. Um, they, they needed to be watched while we figured this out, right? I mean, I just, you know, couldn't, couldn't even rationalize what was going on. Um, I remember I called my boss, right? Told him, listen, this is happening. I need time off, right? Clear my calendar. Um, and it was a busy time, but he was great. He said, yeah, no worries, whatever you need. <clears throat> So, so that all happened, you know, we went and talked to the hospital. They said, Hey, you know, if you wanted, you can do radiation. That's going to buy you some time, but that's all it's going to do. Um, that was a tough decision because, you know, one, on one side, I wanted to be selfish or I didn't have more time with them. On the other side, right. He didn't like being in the hospital. It would have been 30 days of radiation. Um, so, you know, we decided, listen, we're not going to put them through that. So it was actually a very quick progression. Um, and actually I'm thankful for that. Um, so from the time of diagnosis to him actually passing away, it was about seven weeks. Um, you know, during that period of time, you know, it is basically his body just shut down. Right. So, you know, first was his eye, then he was paralyzed on his, you know, one side. Um, you know, then he, then he lost the ability to, to speak, uh, you know, and eventually, you know, all that. So, um, he passed away at home. We had hospice come in who were also great. So, you know, you know, people, people ask, you know, well, some people ask you, you know, that, that must've been really hard, right. At that, that point. And, and, uh, you know, honestly, when, you know, when he actually passed away, you know, I, I was, I was kind of relieved um, that he didn't have to go through that anymore because it was really tough to see him suffer. And, and, you know, then we can, then we could also start moving on with, with our lives um, but you know, every day you miss him, you know, miss him, you think about him. Um, it, it's still tough, you know, going into the holidays and things like that. But, um, you know, it's been five years, you know, first couple of years were, were pretty rough, but you know, I, I think, you know, and, and this is one of the reasons I reached out to Rob talking through this. Um, it's, it's made me a better person, right? There, there's things that has happened that made me more resilient to, to kind of life in general. But, um, yeah, that, that's the, the long, short version of kind of what happened, um, you know, to Logan. Dad, I'm, I'm going to ask some questions, Pat, and I, you know, I'm trying, I'm definitely going to be gentle about the questions and I, you know, I can't even imagine, nor do I think any parent that's, that listens to our pod, podcast, imagine, you know, experiencing that, but how old was Logan when he passed away? Yeah. So he was um, a month shy of his uh, fifth birthday. So uh, his birthday was uh, April 19th. He passed away on March 20th. Um, it was uh, actually Good Friday, I think, or, or right right around that time. Um, so that actually made it tough because all the churches were were full um, for the following week um, because of Easter. Uh, sorry, it was the week before Good Friday. Um, so yeah, so he he was um, almost five, so he would be nine now. Um, and then I have an almost twelve year old. She keeps reminding me her birthday is in a month, <laughs> and, and a seven year old girl. So and then. Um... How were, how did you and your wife manage your son's passing? Yeah. So, I mean, just to, to cut to the chase, I mean, my wife and I are, are separated. Um, we'll be having a final divorce here in a couple weeks, seven or eight weeks. Um, but actually during, during the time when, you know, all this was happening, we, we actually worked pretty well together. You know, it's one of those things where you don't want to have these conversations ever. 
um, when you're talking about, you know, should we do this to extend, you know, his life, you know, hey, we need to sign a do not resuscitate order, right? What do we want to have, have on that? Um, how do we want to remember him? All of that type of stuff. So, you, you know, during the actual process when he was sick, um, we worked very well together. Uh, it, it was really, you know, after that, and it was actually a couple of years after that, and we can talk more about this as well, but um, we just started growing apart, right? Um, I, I kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of went under under like a, you know, journey of self-discovery type of thing for me. And, and she, you know, it was more focused on, you know, some other pursuits that she had. Um, and, and it just things, things just didn't end up working out. And it's actually fairly common, you know, people who lose children, um, it's a pretty high divorce rate, because it does change you as a person. I mean, it, it, there's not a lot of things I think in life that actually change you in your core as a person. This is one of those events, right? Um, it, it's one of those things that it just shakes your being because it is unnatural, right? I mean, it's not natural for um, a parent to outlive their child, especially in this day and age. And so um, just coming to terms with that and grappling with that, you start questioning a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I started questioning, you know, what do I want my life to look like? Um, what I want the, the life for my girls to look like? Um, and, and I think things just weren't necessarily compatible with, um, with my wife. And I know, you know, we've been friends for a long time and, and I know that in, in talking and why we wanted to bring you on here was really to get your message out and for others to understand support. So what avenues have you gone down to, you know, self-discovery and supporting yourself? And I mean, I, you're in the best shape of your life that, that, I mean, better shape than I remember you when, when yeah. we were 25 and living in well, the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah, I was a uh, lack of a better word, a fat ass for a long period of time. Um, so, um, so it, it was one of those things, and I remember it pretty well. I mean, you just start getting a sense of something's not right in life. Um, I mean, I was suffering a lot from anxiety attacks or panic attacks, um, you know, just underlying anxiety on a daily basis. And I just, you know, I was seeing a counselor, um, I still see her um, after this happened. And you know, a lot of the stuff early on was talking about Logan, and then a lot of the stuff spiraled into kind of, you know, questioning, you know, who, who do I want to be? Um, not, not just, you know, to, in one respect, I started questioning, how do I best live a good life, right, kind of to honor Logan? And then it really did come, become, you know, okay, yeah, I'm doing this, you know, that kind of sparked it, but I really want to do this because, you know, I want to leave something behind, right? I mean, you start thinking about legacy and all this stuff, type of stuff, but you know, how do I help people? How do I, you know, what's my mission in life? And that, that all kind of started, you know, racking around my head and I really didn't figure out till fairly recently. Um, but, you know, to, to talk about the self-discovery. So it was, you know, probably two years ago, right? So about two years after Logan passed away, you know, I just got that nagging feeling. So I started reading some, um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius is a really good book. Um, it's about, you know, stoicism and, and some good, there's, there's a lot of good quotes in there about, you know, really living life in the moment, um, not being affected by things you can't control. So I said, okay, well, I'm not necessarily happy the way I look, right? So that's something I control, can, can control. So I started dieting, started exercising. Um, I went from 265 pounds, you know, I think I'm about 200 right now. Um, started lifting weights. Um, you know, as, as Rob said, Beth, you know, I'm definitely in the best shape of my life. Um, 
you know, and, and, you know, that that's really important to me now. It's one of those things that is a part of who I am where it wasn't before, right? I'm, I'm a person who likes to lift weights. I like to exercise. I like to eat relatively healthy. Um, it gets hard sometimes, but, um, I still like to eat. So, you know, that was one thing I did some martial arts for a while, uh, then COVID kind of hit. So I, I kind of fell out of that. Um, you know, a lot of readings, you know, I, I read there's, you know, the subtle art of not giving an F, right. That's a really good book as well. Right. Not, not necessarily caring about what people think. And, you know, slowly as I kind of started, you know, what I'd say is I started living congruently with my life. Right. So I started my, my heart, you know, mind and body kind of all started becoming in sync. Um, and, and when that happened, the anxiety went away, right. I haven't had a panic attack in probably over a year now. Don't have anxiety. Um, yeah, you know, my marriage kind of fell apart, but that's okay. Right. I mean, it was one of those things where I was able to survive pretty easily with that. And, and I'm in a, I'm in a really good place now, right. In life, um, despite, you know, a lot of bad things, you know, that people externally might've seen, but, you know, I, I try to spin it and say, you know, if those things didn't ever happen, right. I would never have reached the point where I am at now. You know, from a, from a romantic point of view, are you seeing someone now or you, you know, have you moved on completely? Yeah. Yeah. I moved on, um, you know, pretty quick. I mean, things were, were never, you know, necessarily great. I would say in the past, you know, three years or so with, uh, well, I seem to be ex-wife and I, certain things happened that I won't go into here, but yeah, it was, it was time. And I moved on relatively quickly. I started dating about three months after we separated. I've been in a serious relationship now for since, I don't know, somewhere in April. So about seven months, right? We're planning probably to move in together here in the next couple of weeks or something. So yeah, I've moved on pretty, pretty, pretty substantially. And you knew, correct me if I'm wrong, you knew your wife since high school, correct? Yeah, we, um, we met, I was the senior in high school when we met. Okay. The experience of losing Logan, obviously took a, took a shot to your relationship. And I guess the interesting thing is I didn't realize that that there was a commonality of divorce and losing children like that. That was, you know, it makes sense now that you said it, but I, I would have never known that. And I don't think any of our listeners probably would have known that either unless they've experienced it because it definitely takes a toll on, on the relationship. I'm sure. It does. Yeah. And you know, it, it, I think that took the toll and then, um, you know, it, it, again, it, it changed, changed who I was. Um, it, it, it didn't change me, you know, it did change kind of how I present myself. I'm the same kind of person, right? I mean, Rob still knows me. I mean, I still say the same sarcastic stuff as I always have, but I don't really live in fear anymore. Um, and I think that's the big part is I, I don't live in fear of things happening because I've kind of been through a lot of the worst stuff that could ever happen to a person in my mind, right? So what's there to fear? I mean, I, I, if I was able to survive that, and this is kind of what I, you know, one of the messages I'd like to get out is, people can survive a lot more than that they, that they think that they know, right? As you mean, you, you say, and everybody's going to say, you know, I can never imagine what you went through. And it's, it's true. Um, but one of the quotes, right. And, and again, I, I really like the book meditations, right. Is it, I'm going to ad lib it. It's basically, you know, you, you're going to survive anything that comes up in the future with the same tools that you're tackling, you know, with the present. Right. And, and I think that quote really hits home is whatever comes at me, I have full confidence that I can face it right. A hundred percent. So you know, when, when you start living in that mindset, fear kind of just goes away. Um, and, you know, what's the worst that can happen, right? You start thinking about that with work, um, with relationships, with, um, you know, going out there and doing something new. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? 
And, and really, if you think through it, not much. I mean, work-wise, what's the worst going to happen? I get fired? Okay, I'll go find another job, right? I mean, it, it, yeah, it might suck for a little while, but I, I know I'll be fine. You're a smart guy, so yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, we, we came up with a whole bunch of questions to ask, and we've, I, you know, obviously with something this, this sensitive, I didn't want to come in this and ad lib it, and I wanted to have this more uh, scripted out. And interesting enough is just through the casual conversation, we've gone through all the questions that we were planning on asking. I think I love the, the meditations. Um, and I, and I love that your perception on life's changed because while well, I think it's obviously relates to people who have lost loved ones and lost, you know, their, their children, I think that can also be said with everything going on in current day. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle what you experience, but just what everyone is experiencing today with COVID and, and the depression, the anxiety, the staying at home and not being able to, you know, go to work. Like, right. It's, 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 I think a lot of people are going through a time of self-discovery. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, I really don't want to compare or, you know, contrast my experience to everybody else. Every, everybody has issues. Everybody has problems or, or challenges they face. Um, that doesn't mean that they're any you know, less important than kind of what I went through. Right. And it, it's tough for anybody. If somebody's losing a parent or losing a friend or a sibling, or they just lost their job because of a pandemic. Right. I mean, it's, it's all adversity. It's all things you need to face, but um, you know, what, what helps when you, have those things happen is focus focus on the now right focus on the present focus on the things that you still have right and one of those things is your life you're still alive i mean you're still waking up every day right and as long as you're alive you you can you can tackle the world right you might take some time and yeah it may suck for a little while right but everybody's going to get back on their feet who you know who who makes the effort um i i think what what's happening especially that i see in this day and age and you know, people being stressed over COVID or politics or, you know, whatever it is, all that stuff's, yeah, it sucks right now. It's not important though. I mean, what's important is your family, your health. Um, you know, it, it sounds trite, but those are really the important things. Um, you know, and if you focus on the present, if you focus on the here and now, y- your mind won't wander and focus on the, what if this happens in the future or, or you know, in one, on one side, and then on the other side of what if I did, you know, X, Y, and Z differently, right? That That's not healthy. You can't change the past and you don't know the future. So, you know, if you, if you look at meditation or mindfulness, or if you want to say, focus on the present and then be grateful for the things that you still have. And that will get you through the tough times into the not so tough times. And you said focus on family, right? Health, yourself. One thing that, I, that I'm curious is, do you feel this has made you a better parent, uh, you know, closer to your daughters? Yeah, it, it has. So I, I remember one of the things and you do, you know, I just talked about don't focus on the, the past, but you know, one of the things I, you know, if you do, do you think I, one of the things I do regret is I remember it snowed here and it's North Carolina, so it, it doesn't snow that often. Um, and this was, you know, right before Logan passed away, he wanted me to come play outside with him and I was too busy working. Right. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I make those choices now of, you know, hey, I can go put this aside, right? I can go put work aside and go play with my kids if they need to do want to do something for a little while. And guess what? Work's still going to be there when you get back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do focus on my kids and, and doing, you know, more things with them 
I, I'm not a perfect parent by any means. I'm sure I, I make lots of mistakes, but um, it does change your perception of kind of switching around the priorities in life, right? For me, I think it was always, you know, I, I had the thinking of, you know, if I had a good job, right, so I could care for the kids that way, right, they're going to be okay. And yeah, that's part of it. But, you know, I've kind of switched that around and said, you know what, the, the priority is the kids, right? I need to build, you know, an emotional bond with them. I need to make sure that they they are going to be emotionally sound, especially with what's happened, right? I'm very cognizant of, they've been through a lot of crap too in their life um, at young ages. Um, is that going to affect them going forward uh, in a negative way? Or can we, you know, make this into a positive you know, way and talk about, you know, things like, you know, again, resiliency. And I, I think they are, you know, leaning towards more of the resiliency, you know, aspect. Um, you know, time will obviously tell, but, you know, I've been trying to foster that with them, um, really trying to be cognizant on, on teaching them how to live life, how to cope with life, how to cope with, you know, failures and negatives, right? Because I think that's what builds them up as, as better people. So, you know, even as something as simple as, you know, we're on doing remote school right now, right? So I have a first grader, um, you know, she didn't do an assignment. Okay. You know, listen, Hey, you know, Aria that, you know, that, that you, why didn't you do the assignment? Well, I wanted to play. Okay. You know, let's talk through that. Right. You know, it's, it's not a, a punishment immediately. It, it's talking through and realizing why she should have done the assignment. Um, on the same, same aspect, I'm not going to follow up with her necessarily to do the assignment. I mean, sure. Yes. I check a little bit, but um, I, I expect, you know, a level of responsibility for them. From them and I think that's going to teach them to be better kids and you know and, and a lot of that stuff I would say before you know Logan passed away I wouldn't even it wouldn't even cross my mind right it would have been like okay are they doing what they're supposed to be doing let's build up some discipline you know let's punish them if they don't you know listen type of thing um, now it's much more about okay how am I equipping them with the tools so that they're going to be successful in the future um, if they you know miss a homework assignment or get a know, a C instead of a B or something like that. That's a learning experience, right? That, that's not necessarily a, a huge negative because, you know, one of the things I do think, this is not necessarily related to Logan passing away, but one of the things I, you know, I firmly believe is we all learn by failure, right? And, and you know, let's leverage failures and of, you know, both ourselves as well as other people to um, make ourselves better people in the future. It's definitely true. It definitely resonates home. And I really like the, um, the not not reprimanding, but teaching, teaching them if they do something wrong, like why did you do that wrong, or or what were you thinking? So to take them through their thought process, and I think that's that's instrumental for us as parents to kind of. And I love that, you know, maybe you did or didn't do it before Logan passed away, but I love that you're doing that, and I think it's important for parents, you know, all of us to to really resonate on that. We all know that our kids will ride our last nerves, and sometimes we lose our temper and. You know, yeah. you don't get to do, you know, hey, let's think this through. And you're like, just like, fuck it. Like you're grounded, go to your room, give me your iPad, you know? And, but, but a lot of times you got to take a deep breath and just say, all right, they're kids. They don't, you know, they're innocent and they really don't have a, a full outlook on life. And sometimes they just do things because they want to do things. They don't really understand the albums. So you touched on the girls, but so how have they handled the situation? Are they more resilient than than you expected? Yeah, they are. I mean, so, you know, a couple of things that, you know, and, and I think, you know, both my, my ex and, and I do pretty well is, you know, I re we remember Logan, we keep him involved, right? So at Christmas, there'll be a stocking for him and we'll put stuff in there. The girls will split it, right? It's usually candy and stuff. But, um, 
we'll do things like that. We'll sell, celebrate his birthdays. We'll talk about him. Right. And it's not in a sad manner that like, he's not here, but in like, Hey, you know, he was part of our family. He's part of our family still, you know, his, his presence continues in our family. And I think that does build a, a healthy emotional state with them. I mean, you know, I was really worried about the separation and how they would be affected. And I haven't really seen anything negative on them. Um, and now I don't know if that's, you know, because of what they went through with you know, losing their brother or if it's their nature or what, but yeah, they're, they're pretty resilient. Um, and, and one of the great things that I've built now with the relationship with the kids is, you know, having that open communication and then being able to talk to me, right. If they're concerned about, you know, what's going to happen um, in the future, or if they're scared or worried about something, um, we'll talk it out. I mean, and, and a lot of the times, you know, I think, uh, you know, we as parents want to solve an issue, right? Like, you know, dad, I'm scared, you know, of the monster. Well, there's no monster, go to sleep, right? Type of thing, <laughs> right? It, it, you know, just just go, the, go to F to sleep, right? Samuel L. Jackson's uh, audio book, really, really fun, funny. But, you know, it's, it's getting to that core of, okay, you know, let's, let's talk through this. Um, You know, a lot of times the kid's not necessarily scared. Um, You know, I know, you know, my, my seven-year-old, she's not scared. She comes over here when she was at her mom's, you know, and and we got kind of to the core of it and she doesn't come out directly. She just wants to, you know, stay up and spend more time with me, right, is what it is, right? So, uh, how do you translate that then into having a better bedtime? Okay, let's maybe read an extra story, right? The, the night they come over here or something like that. And um, it seems to work, right? But you got to get to that core of what's really going on in their heads because kids are manip, I, you know, I say they're, they're manipulative little bastards, right? They're, they're going to they're gonna test you and try to figure out what, what they can say or do to get what they want. Um, but a lot of times is because they don't know how to necessarily communicate what they actually need. Um, I think that's important as parents is, is us try to figure that out as much as possible um, and let them learn how to deal with their emotions on their own um, and not try to fix things necessarily all the time. I know you are giving back to people who have had similar experiences. You know, that's why you want to come on the podcast. But what other outlets are you also, you know, engaging in to help people who have had your experience? Yeah, there hasn't really been, I mean, this is really the first kind of big, big thing I've, I've kind of done. Um, I mean, I, I see people on Facebook, I'll reach out to them. Um, I've, you know, donated to some charities and things like that. But, um, you know, as I, as I said, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, mission, you know, and life and things like that. This has kind of only come together in the last, I would say, six months or so. Um, probably because I had a lot of time to think about it because I was, you know, separated and alone in an apartment. Um, but you know, talking through journaling, you know, things like that, you kind of realize like, okay, I I do want to, I think I I think I can help people who have been through not, you know, necessarily just losing a kid, but you know, any sort of adversity, right? And and, trying to get people to realize that there's so much meaningless crap that we worry about in life. Um, And not to say it's, it's completely unimportant, but it's, you're going to be on your deathbed or you to really think about how much money you have in the bank account or, or what you're, you know, you are a CEO somewhere. No, you're going to worry about your family. Like, what are you leaving behind? What values did you instill in, in people? You know, did you actually reach out and, you know, help others? Um, one of the things, you know, when, when Logan was passing away, that was, you know, phenomenal, right. And, and seeing the good in people, you know, there was a GoFundMe that was raised and there was people all over the world, you know, donating to this stuff. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of money that, that we raise. We gave a fair amount to charity. Um, 
you know, with it, but, you know, and people you don't know about, you know, people that you forgot about, like Rob, um, you, you know, come out and, and they're donating to things or, or reaching out and you realize there's a lot of good in this world, right? This, despite, you know, all this crap you see on the news. Um, and how do you leverage that and then turn that into, you know, quote, pay it forward, right? How do I take that and now use that to propel myself and help other people, right? Because I do see that there was people who tried to help me in my time of need. So, you know, I, I'm big on, you know, trying to figure that out. And it's not a, it's not a simple answer. I'm still trying to work through that. But, um, you know, I, I welcome this opportunity. I've reached out, you know, again, people on Facebook, here's a couple of people on Reddit, I've seen that said, you know, I lost the sound, you know, I message them and say, hey, you know, how's it going, right? And, and they open up, but they'll talk about it. You know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of times when, you're, you know, you're saying, you know, in, in Rob's position, you know, you say not, not, not doesn't know how to bring up stuff. I mean, I see that all the time, right? People will say, you know, hey, you know, they'll ask an innocuous question, like, you know, how many kids do you have? It's a hard question for me to answer, right? Because on one side, this is a perfect stranger. I could tell him I have two girls, right? But that's doing a disservice to Logan. So I'll mention, hey, yeah, I had a son, he passed away. And, and, and I would say 90% of the people get taken aback, right? They'll, okay, let's just ch change the subject. But then you got about, you know, maybe five, 10% of the population or people I talk to and say, oh, you know, really, what was he like, right? And that opens up the doorway for a conversation. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is sometimes painful to talk about, but it's also, you know, therapeutic to be able to talk about it and share with people. Um, and I much rather have people ask about him than change the subject. Um, so, you know, and that might, I might be the, you know, exception to the rule, but I think a lot of people would appreciate, you know, when they are faced with a loss of a loved one, you ask about them, right? Ask, ask about the loved one. What were they like, right? Because I think people would really like to open up and share what they liked about that person that they may not necessarily have, you know, in their lives anymore. If you had to give somebody who has had your experience, what is the one thing you would recommend? Like, even or even someone going through it, like, what, what would you recommend to kind of help them through the time? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the one thing I would say, rely on others. You're going through a really tough time in life, right? So if people reach out and want to help, don't push them away. Like, let them help you. Um, you know, especially I think as, as men, and I do it still, right? I mean, if, if I'm sick or ill or not feeling well or having an issue, I mean, I'll, I'll close down, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of what I do. Um, you know, great, you know, girl I'm, I'm dating now, I mean, she'll you know, reach out and ask me questions about, you know, how you, how you feeling? I'm fine. Right. I'm not really fine, but I don't want to really want to pry. Right. I'm, I'm a guy. I'm, you know, tough, but you know, again, let, let people help you. Um, it's, it's actually a gift for a lot of people that, you know, if they want to help you and you don't let them help you, they're going to, they're going to see that as a negative. Right. Um, so open up, be vulnerable, right? It's okay to be vulnerable as, as a guy and, and accept that help, um, let people in. It's okay to say, you know, listen, this really sucks for me. Um, I'd say you, you, don't, you don't need to turn around and, and, you know, whine and complain about it. Um, but at the same time, it's okay to recognize your feelings, right? Hey, I'm angry about this or this sucks or yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm going to get through it. But yeah, it, it sucks right now. Um, you know, again, guys, dads, they want to be that, you know, rock solid frame of, you know, masculinity where, where they don't crack, they don't cry, but it's okay. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, uh, guys try to be super strong and then they end up folding under pressure eventually or, or cracking. So um, yeah, accept help from other people. If you need help, reach out, right? Again, I've seen a counselor, 
not afraid to say that, right? It went through a lot of tough stuff. I see her and conversations have kind of gone all over the place these days, but um, she really helped me get through a lot of the grief and, and being able to navigate that pathway of grief. And did you see um, a counselor before? Um, so I had seen a couple in the past for like anxiety stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the one I found, I mean, we, we focused a lot about the grief, you know, early on and grief isn't a linear line, right? I mean, you know, they, they talk about about the five phases of grief or whatever. It's not, yeah, you you go through them, but it's not linear, right? It's 10 steps forward, nine steps back or two steps forward and three back or right. You're going all over the place. Um, as you're kind of getting through this, you know, quote, valley of despair. Um, but you'll get through it. If people are facing a time, tough time, just take it day by day or minute by minute and, and you'll get through it um, because you have to, right? I mean, what's the alternative? Yeah. And I, I, I love you said, and I was going to ask you if, if I heard you correctly, but I love that you said that men don't crack or men don't share feelings. That is the pretty much the base of why I wanted to start this podcast and start the website I'm doing and, and trying to build this into something more than just a once a week podcast. Because I do feel men, right. As we're traditionally, we've been taught this since we were kids and men, even, you know, our sons have been taught this growing up is men don't share, men don't share their feelings. Men don't share anything traditionally. And the reality is when I go look for things on like, all right, how does a dad deal with this? And how does a dad deal with this? I can't find anything. I can't find dads who are like, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing like, there's not a good repository in my mind. Like there's a couple sites out there, but nothing great. And my whole thing was let's get dads to give back to dads and get dads who, you know, like, like yourself have had experiences and, and all across the board, we have an expecting dad who, um, who will drop before this, we recorded two weeks ago, who will actually drop uh, this Sunday. Okay. And, you know, that was one who just happens to be my brother, but it, you know, you, you want to bring in people who are in experiencing, because if we wrote a book about an expecting dad, you know, whatever it is, 10 years ago now, or for you, 13, it's changed. It's completely different. <laughs> like right. there's more, there's more science, there's more like tests, there's, there's different things they're doing that when we went, we had no clue. Right. So. Yeah. You just, you kind of figure out if it was a boy or a girl and hope the ultrasound turned out well. And then the kid was born. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and I, and I appreciate, I mean, there, there's a, for, for, for men and you know, especially fathers, right. There's just, there's not a lot of information other than your kind of your stand, standard scientific advice, but um, you know, I, I found, you know, I, I got one, you know, a couple really good friends, right. In, in life that, you know, I, I don't have any worry about opening up and say, listen, I'm, I'm bothered about this. Right. Let's talk through it type of thing. Um, You're lucky because really most guys don't have that. At least right. from and, what and I, I think, you know, and I would say try to find that person. I mean, tr- you know, try to find somebody that you can go talk to drop your ego, right. T- drop your tough guy, you know, attitude and, and be able to, you know, approach the situation and, and, you know, be honest with not only yourself, but this other person and talk through shit. I mean, that's, that's what people are, are for. And, you know, what I, one of the things I found with a couple of the friends that I've had for, for, you know, what, 13 years I've lived here, right. I, I've known, known them for most of that time 
is the more I'd share with them, the more they'd share with me, right? And and you kind of have a mutual giving there back and forth of, and it, and it deepens your relationship, um, you know, with, with your friends. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you start talking about subjects um, that are, are actually meaningful and you, and you get kind of past the, the surface bullshit of, you know, let's talk about sports or politics. Okay, great. Um, let's talk about some, you know, more, some of the more important stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's really important for guys to be able to do that and, and be honest with themselves and, and not just, listen, there, there's a way of embracing emotions in a masculine way, right? That's not just shutting them down. Um, you know, again, you know, I, I think men, you know, you, you shouldn't necessarily feel like you need to rely on anybody or, or push your feelings or problems on somebody else, but it's perfectly acceptable to go talk to someone and say, listen, you know, I had this problem, you know, I'm more, really worried about this. Can we talk through it or, or, you know, can I run this by you? And, you know, what's the worst that somebody's going to say no. Okay. Well, maybe they weren't necessarily that great of a friend to begin with, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really good, Rob. Is there anything else you want to talk about or we cover everything. I mean, we, we've been going back and forth for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of my, my son, I think I've gotten kind of everything out there and, and I think it really goes back to what we just started talking about now and um, be, you know, I'd say if, if you want to summarize the messages, you know, focus on the present, you're, you're going to get through whatever you're facing, right? Just, you know, use your tools and your reason, um, be vulnerable and open and accepting help from other people. Um, and the main one that I had to learn, right, is, you know, be kind of true to yourself, right? And there's a lot of pressures from the external world, from your, your parents, your family, your friends, you know, whoever it may be to be, maybe be a certain way. And maybe that's not necessarily you, you be congruent with who you are. And, and somebody, somebody out there is you're going to find people who appreciate that. And, and I know for myself, and this is probably the biggest thing is I wasn't for a really long time, right? I, I just wasn't I was living to a standard that I had perceived from you know my dad and then maybe necessarily my my now ex-wife um you know trying to act certain ways to make these people happier what I perceived them happy and I wasn't making myself happy um and I had to have a big shock to my system which was unfortunately losing my son right to kind of realize that and be able to course correct and, and come back to who I really am and it's it's a good thing that's awesome well, Patrick, I appreciate you joining us here. I, I love the message and I'm glad we can help facilitate it out and and hopefully others can learn from it. Not only those who who experience what you've experienced, but uh, all dads. I mean, I, I think your message should resonate with pretty much any father, any 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 guy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's dads, dads for sure. But, you know, it really is, is a guy thing now. And it's, you know, again, it's, we're, we're men, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't have deep, meaningful relationships and friendships. I agree. All um, right. Thanks, thanks Rob. for your time. Yeah. I'll talk, talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right. We finished the interview with Patrick and his experience of losing his son and how he murdered and had self-reflection and really made his life better in, in totality because of what he experienced. It was a tremendous interview. I, I wasn't on that. Uh, that Rob handled that because that is Rob's, um, for the most part, I want to say lifelong friend. Um, I, I thought may, it, he may have been asking some of those personal questions. So it was a um, uh, an inspiring uh, interview. Um, anyone going through that, those challenging times, he did offer some amazing advice on how to work your way through that, get through it.
Thank you. I, I thought I did a very good job interviewing too. You did. You did a fantastic job. Yeah, I think he did a better job in, in telling and giving his experience. I will tell you though, some of the nuggets he gave were just incredible. Honestly, incredible. If if you don't listen to any other any other uh, podcast we put out, this is the one I hope you listen to because he had some great self reflection and some of it. To be honest, I, honestly, and Sal, I don't know about you, but you've had less of an impact because you actually work every day. Yes. Or, you know, most days. Some of it really, really ties back, and especially the, uh, the, you know, be a good father and, you know, try to teach your children to learn from their mistakes and not just reprimand, punish them. And I think that was, that was one of the great things I took away. And the other thing was that maybe all of these uh, material things, because, you know, Sal's a material girl. And oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to plug some Madonna in there oh. later. But some of these material things aren't as important as we put value on it. And it's really more important that the amount of time you spend with your family and your, your close friends. Because most of us, you know, really look at our close friends as family. Because you're, you're so involved with their lives. And I think at the end of the day, one of the things that, that Pat said was, you know, when you're on your deathbed, do you really give a shit of if you were a sea level? Maybe you will. Maybe you will. But is that sea level or that VP level really going to give you, you know, the happiness you, you want? If does it really? And and Pat put it perfectly. You have to live life with no fear. And if you live life with no fear, you have you've owned it. You kicked its ass. One one thing I'm guilty of that he was there there there'd be many a times where I'm working from home. My kids ask me to do something, and I look at them and say, look, I can't do it right now. I'm working. I have to get this information out, um, but we can do whatever you want later. Later never comes because by the time I'm done with work, by the time my wife's done with work, you know, it's dinner time. we got to cook dinner, clean up, and then before you know it, kids showering it, and it's bedtime. I was never able to do whatever my, my one daughter would do because I was wrapped up in work. And one thing he said was, Live now, live today. Don't worry about the future. So, which was which is amazing. Focus on the present. I loved a lot of the messages he put out there, and honestly, one of the one of the messages I and I was gonna have a future episode about it, but he kind of stole my thunder, which is just fine. I, I love it. Is I forget what I was listening to. It was either um, Pat Flynn or one of those podcasts where, or, or read it in a book because I'm reading three improvement books. But one of them said, you know, be the best at what you want to be. So in my phone, and my wife hates it, I have alarms in the morning. But when I, you know, we've talked about this. I write in the morning. That's what I like to do. I haven't written in two weeks, but it's a whole other story. Slacking. But I, yeah, I am slacking. I'm working on this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> the I in the morning, I have be the best writer. Because your ass has to get up at 5 a.m. to write for two hours. Because my 9 to 5 can take up the rest of my day. When you say your alarm is be the best, what does that mean? It means when my alarm goes off at 5 a.m., there's a title on it and it says be the best writer. Oh, get out of here. No. Okay, so, cool. but the other thing I did, and I, and I think I, sorry, it wasn't Pat Flynn. I, I took it from a, a be, be the best or self-improvement, something like that. The other thing I did is at 6.30 every night, I have an alarm that goes off and says be the best dad. And to me, that's my notification to get my ass off my computer from still work and spend time with my kids at least from 6.30 till the time they go to bed because I'll tell you, the work's going to be there 
at 8.30 anyway. So it doesn't matter. So 8 o'clock, my kids go to bed. 8.30 is probably about the time that I have to do it. And then here's the funniest thing. And, and we will have a podcast on this. Between 8 and 9, I have a notification that says self-improvement. So during 9, and maybe we were talking about this earlier today. Sit-ups and crunches and push-ups? No, this is mental self-improvement. So I'm reading maybe now four books because I just pulled a book off the shelf. But I'm reading multiple books on make myself the best manager I can. So managing best output, um, 20 rules, or sorry, not 21 rules, how to influence and win friends and family, friends or something like that. I, I forget. And it's by Dale Carnegie. And then there's a couple others of like, um, whatever, self-improvement, as you've heard me say. And then I have some financial book I'm reading. You forgot to mention about the commentary one. Yeah, no, I, I'm not reading that. <laughs> but that between eight and nine, I want to improve myself. And I pick one of those books and I continue on with it. Now, my wife was making fun of me because I told him he has to read. He can stay up till nine o'clock if he reads between eight and nine. You don't read every night. I said, it's in my calendar. I achieve to read every night. It's between the, eight I nine strive nine. to read every night. I just. I, I may miss. do it like three nights a week. <laughs> so I'm not obviously not. We re, were recording on Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday. That's not happening tonight. But. Most nights I try to go downstairs and I'll read 30 minutes. I tell you, some of these books I'm reading are very dry. You get like 20 minutes in and you're like, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for anything to do. I'm like, wait, is my phone going off? Wait, wait can we make it go off? So uh, some of it is, you know, you just, you have to put those reminders in. And the one that always sticks with me, the one every night that I look at is be the best dad. Be the best dad. Every time it goes off, it's a reminder of, hey, asshole. Get off of what Get you're off doing. whatever you're doing. Put your phone away for the next whatever two hours. You can be present with your family and with kids. And I mean, that was one of Pat's big things is, you know, be as happy as you make yourself happy. Be self-reflective. Um, he showed it a couple books, one of them being Meditations by somebody. I don't know if you caught the last name, but we'll put it in the liner notes. I'll figure it out. And the other is. book, Subtle, Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Yeah, I like that book. I can't read that book. I tell you. I'm right on that bandwagon. I'm pretty sure I'm already there, but you know, it's, and he's right. Listen, he's, he's a smart guy. He's an educated guy. He was always smart. I have known him pretty much. We've graduated college. We started IBM together. It, he's a hundred percent right. You can own the job, but you have to live life. And in a reality, listen, your family is the most important thing. Kids are the most important thing. Your wife's the most important thing. You're the most important thing without yourself, without your, Without your mental and physical health, none of this shit matters. And that's what you have to focus on. You first, then family, then friends. And it's almost like a, um, I'm like motioning it like you guys see me, but it's almost like a, uh, like a radar. So you start with the inner middle ping and then you go out, yeah. you know, close family, family, friends. Then you, you kind of work out from there. But the reality is it's about you. You have to take care of you. I said this in previous podcasts. In previous previous episodes, but it, you know it's important. One thing I can tell you not to do is try to make everybody happy. Because when you try to make everybody happy, there's two people that wind up being miserable: is yourself and your significant other. Because while you're out trying to put out all the fires between family, siblings, dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, what have you. Trying to be and trying to make things right and trying to make everybody happy, your significance is miserable. And I went through that and it was tough and I didn't realize it. 
you know, try, trying to trying to appease and accommodate everybody. And, you know, at one point, my wife told me, hey, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm second best, you know. And it was true. I, I was putting her second. And, and I, so, you know, family's important. Focus on here. Focus on now. Family. Yeah, and I... How could you put your your? I just got wrapped up in trying to. Uh, it, it was it was crazy. Really, it was crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. We're gonna have to dig into that later. So that's a tea. Maybe the next episode. And of it took what a... Sal did wrong. <laughs> it took. And maybe the... we'll have a live audience for that one too. <laughs> it took the threat of a Colombian necktie for me to oh realize what I was doing. Especially to punch you in the face. <laughs> Sal's wife is one of my favorite people. So <laughs> she's great. Um, but I think on that note, I one of the things that I don't know if we've had this dad lesson yet, but it's we've we've touched on it. But I think the dad lesson for tonight is really focus on yourself, focus on your family, focus on what's. Im- I don't know if we've had that as a dad lesson. Uh, I mean, we've had uh, self invest, self invest, like self invest in your. In your health, health, yes, but not focus on to make sure you're the happiest you you can be. Forget about the material things; they are as material. You, you can't material girl. <laughs> you like that song? Were you listening to that on the way here? <laughs> Fo- focus on focus on your family. Focus on what's right for you, your wife, or your significant other, your partner, and your, and make things right with them first before you anything else. Yeah, and I think I, I agree. And with that. We are not going to bypass the opportunity to do a bourbon tasting. We feel for our listeners to hear our next flavor that we are our next flavor. Next flavor. What our the next, fuck are we doing? Ice creams? Or? <laughs> next Jesus brand Christ. that we want to introduce. So Sal, I'll turn it over to you. Um, we're gonna pause, aren't we? Oh, let's do our tasting. Please, please oh, wait. Pause. Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Rad Dad Podcast. This is the Bourbon Review with Robin Sal. Sal, the second glass. <laughs> uh, tonight we are tasting Old Forester Single Barrel Distillers Selection, and Rob just spilled his glass. Good thing, Mister Brandy New Computer. Um, it is. Uh, hold on, let me fill that up for you. Do you do you want a straw to lick it off the table? Um, it is ninety proof. Oh, and we're gonna have to edit that out. Uh, alcohol classification: Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, distillery is the Old Forester Distilling Company. Little history about Old Forester: Old Forester single barrel is bottled from one individual barrel selected from lots, which are hand picked by master tester taster. Jackie Zykan. A, I don't know. You took the notes. Jackie. I'm going to say it's a girl. There you she's, go. She's a, she's a master taster. All right. Old Forester Single Barrel is crafted using the time-honored method established over 140 years. Depending on the barrel selected and the... Angels? <laughs> and the angel shared lost to evaporation... During aging the barrel, each Old Forester single barrel selection should produce between 200 to 240 750 milliliter bottles of bourbon. That is a very interesting story, don't you think? That was very interesting. Busy laughing. 
<laughs> or cleaning up your mess. Or cleaning up my mess, which I literally missed my new Apple computer by probably less than a quarter of an inch. I must say it's a pretty fancy uh, computer Fancy schmancy. You're moving up in the world, huh? <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> podcasting. We, had, we needed a new computer. <laughs> uh, proof, as I mentioned before, is 90 proof. Uh, 45% alcohol by volume. Um, age is unknown. Batch size is also unknown. Uh, mash bill, at least 51% corn to be known as a bourbon. Uh, awards, none that I, I'm aware of or found on the interweb. Color. Uh, I am going to say it is an amber. It's amber in color. An amber. You want to say it's a dark amber? (laughs) It may be a dark amber. (laughs) He got drunk on his first sniff. Oh, my God. (laughs) The price point on the bottle is uh, anywhere from $50 to $65, depending on where you live. Yes. Really? Yeah, really. Uh, nose and aroma. Uh, just so everybody knows, we are tasting neat as we always do. Uh, we don't want the water to interfere with full, uh, full-bodied flavor of the um, bourbon. Uh, so the nose and aroma I get, oddly, if I've ever gotten this, vanilla wafers <laughs> and a little whiff of cinnamon. That goes along with my sriracha, I think. <laughs> You're smelling sriracha. What was that for? Uh, uh, for? I don't know. I don't remember. A couple, couple weeks ago. Uh, yes. So vanilla wafers, a little whiff of cinnamon tasting. Uh, I get vanilla and caramel or caramel, however the hell you want to pronounce it. Finish, slight burn, but it mellows the hell out. It's quick. It's like not even there. It is, it, it's, it's delicious. You know, it was, it was pretty upsetting because um, when Rob came to my house, we stepped over to the mantle and he said, hey, let's pick one out. And we landed on the old forester. It wasn't open, just still sealed. And in my, in my, re- <laughs> in my research. After one, he poured it. After I opened it and poured it and had a few tips. Uh, one of the websites, it, it wasn't the old forester website, but someone, someone else's website said that they discontinued this bourbon. <laughs> there goes the value I've, of that I've had this bottle, I think, for two years. <laughs> It's going for a good cause. Uh, so finish, slight burn, but mellows out. Overall, not complex at all. Uh, lingering, uh, there's no lingering burn. It, it is, it's a very delicious, uh, it, it's good. It's it's really good. Your thoughts, Rob? Uh, I definitely. On flavor or nose? Let me, let me do one. I definitely. Don't spill it this time. Yeah, I literally missed my, less than an inch. The, the nose, I. I don't smell the vanilla wafers. I smell the caramel, the sweetness, the milkiness in it. The taste is incredible. It's a smooth, smooth. Um, it's my favorite Old Forester that I've had, I, I believe. I, I've tasted at least, this is the third or fourth one that I've tasted. I, I'm not a big, I believe it's the 1920 that, that we typically have. I actually keep it on in my cabinet just for a friend who, who's a big fan of it. So if he comes over, I'll, you know, handle glasses but it's not it's not one of my go-tos by any means no i, I like this this is nice yeah this is nice and smooth i i'm i'm definitely enjoying it so i think what we should have told the uh our listeners uh before we started the bourbon tasting was we changed up our uh ranking system uh just add uh we're not we're no longer going to give it points it's gonna correct be, 
We're going to rank them on barrels. We're doing barrels, son. <laughs> Fancy computer. Fancy schmancy. So why don't you give your barrel rating, Rob? All right. I think for the Old Forester single barrel, uh, it is floor one, warehouse zero. Just still action. Do you see this as I, still selection? I did, yeah. I yeah, know. I wonder. Floor okay. one. Floor one, yeah. warehouse zero. So for me, this is definitely one of my one of my favorites, and I think I'm resetting my ratings, though, because we're on the barrel system now, and the barrel system only goes on halves. So I'm going to go with a – oh, man, that's a good one. I think I'm going to go with a seven and a half barrel rating for older single barrel. Seven and a half barrels. Seven wow. and a half barrels. Nice. I, I, uh, I'm going to go a uh, seven barrel. I'm going to go with a seven barrel. <laughs> I'm laughing because I almost said seven, and I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty smooth. It's, it's a nice tasting. It's Burp. very good. So uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, Rob's uh, 7.5 barrel, or 7.5 barrel, barrel. And it's the Old Forester single barrel, 90 proof bottle, uh, distiller's selection. If you do find one in your neck of the woods, please let me know because I'd like to release the one I just opened. <laughs> for, for Robin him to taste. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. If you like what you heard, share with someone you'd like or maybe dislike. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, iTunes, Podbeam, Google Cast, Pandora, YouTube, your sister's ass, and Spotify. Be sure to smash that subscribe and follow button, too. If you have any questions or comments or want to give us some feedback, you can hit us up at the Show at gmail.com. But uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, join us for the next episode. Later.